Preview podcast. My name is Tom Savage. Hope you're having a good week. Um, I am running on fumes at this point. <laughs> uh, little girl is still quite sick over the last two days. It's just that it's just that bug, you know. She's in crash now, so that's sort of disease central, where the diseases come in to kind of hang out with each other and then go home to a different house every evening. Um, she seems to have picked up that uh, bug, kind of ear infection slash throat sore throat thing that's going around at the moment and uh yeah she is in the horrors with it at the moment so um i did not have time this week to write a full red eye for this at all so instead of half-assing it i'm just going to do a longer blood and hunter podcast i hope that's okay um firstly we're heading up to uh ravenhill kingspan stadium um uh for the united rugby championship three round number four um i suppose the start of the season has been pretty good from a Munster perspective you look at how we've we've started we're unbeaten um which is you know obviously that's kind of the aim of this game um but you look at the table where we are at the moment we're currently uh second in behind Connacht uh Connacht are off at Edinburgh this weekend um so like compared to last season we have started so much better it's not even not even funny um how much better we are this year from a points perspective I think we're actually I think we're what seven or eight points better off at than, than we were at this point last season oh that's not a trophy by any means but it is uh, uh certainly a better start and i think when we look at you know making the main bones of this season that little bit easier i mean looking to try and get a kind of a home knockout sequence both in europe and in the united rugby championship um starting well is a big big part of that so um we have one draw on the books uh, we're heading up to you know ulster and that's where things start to get a little bit sticky um this has been a fairly tricky fixture for for Munster um over the last couple of years where it always seems to have fallen with between one or two scores when we win but when we lose we lose big and um I suppose the last memory I have of um of Ravenhill obviously was was last year a massive turnaround uh, in Munster season um that win I think kind of put us back on the board with regards to you know stuff like qualifying for Europe getting into the top eight which at that point was actually far from uh, a guarantee um and I suppose that the the memory that I have prior to that is that really poor that really really poor uh loss to um Ulster in the knockouts of the URC one um up in the Kingspan uh the last game of Johan van Kron's tenure 36-17 it finished we were rank <laughs> absolutely awful in that game and um i suppose we've seen over the last couple of years in 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 the kingspan just how bad things can get 
Um, it's a very difficult place to go. It's going to be sold out um, this uh, tonight, actually. It's going to be sold out there, more or less. Uh, they're going to have a big home crowd. Um, Ulster are always very dangerous when they start playing with momentum. And um, I suppose looking at how they've gone this season, they're looking to try to recover after a fairly bad season themselves last year where I suppose we had an awful time in a quarterfinal in Kingspan. Uh, in URC 1 in URC 2 that was reversed to Ulster who had a pretty good well I won't say a flawless regular season in the URC Um, they had a pretty bad European campaign Uh, then in the URC they went through periods where they were really good then they went through periods where they were really bad and kind of in the interim there they kind of still managed to finish I think it was a top 2 or top 3 they finished quite well but when you look at how they um, end of the season at home to, to Connacht it just felt that the air fell out of them altogether now you hear a lot of different things about how the vibes up in Ulster aren't really what they should be that um, the atmosphere up there is a little tense to say the least um, I would say that McFarland does seem to be under pressure this year not because of any inside baseball stuff purely because um, he has spent and, and got dispensation for big money signings and now they are not in the team as of yet well one of them is uh, the other Stephen Kitchoff probably the most um, headline grabbing of the, the two signings um, isn't in the squad as of yet he's on his cool down from the World Cup they're expected to be back by the end of November guys who were involved in the World Cup especially as heavily as um, as Kitchoff was so with that in mind um, it's a season where I think Dan McFarland who is in his what I think he's on his fifth year there now is kind of at the point where he needs to be getting to a final and like thing is like you can you can get to a final and lose it and that still is a very successful season um but like i wouldn't say that like oh they need a trophy you know because it's so hard to win a trophy in this game um but i would say that they're on uh i would say there's a bit of pressure there for them to make the final of a urc for example or to you know get to a quarter final stage in europe um i think that another season without either of those things happening um, puts McFarland under a fair bit of pressure I would say um, given the signings that he has and, and uh, the strength of the squad he has available to them on the whole now they do have a lot of injuries at the moment guys who are unavailable but this is still a strong side now trying to assess what Ulster are doing is fairly difficult because they seem to have two different constructions as to how they play there is Ulster at home and then there is Ulster away um, away from home Ulster kicked the ball an awful lot. Um, so you look at their kick-to-pass ratio away to Zebre and away to Connacht. It was down around 1.4, 1.5 on each time. It was actually nearly close to 1.5 on both stages. You look at the Connacht game, they were having one kick every 4.7 passes. Away to Zebre, there was a one kick every five passes. So they, they tend to play a kind of a hit-and-run style, verging on counter-transition game um, away from home. At home, though, they tend to play a real heavy on-ball game. Um, you look at their game against the Bulls, um, they had one kick every 13.1 passes, which is heavy, heavy on-ball rugby. And one of the things that we know that are is a, is a, I would say it's a certainty with Ulster is a low pass per carry ratio. The way that Ulster like to play is they like to rumble hard off nine. When they release into their midfield, usually to McCluskey, that extends their lines across the field. And then they look to try to use the ground they've made up. And if you, they usually select some big wingers and they have done here as well. Um, that gives them 
the I suppose that sort of air raid kind of attack where they can they can kick to the edges they can get that ball out to essentially two guys who are verging on power winger and build and then once those guys advance up the edge grind back against the grain as well and look to try to exploit any spacing that opens up there as well on top of the usual um, Ulster Mall which is a fairly dangerous um, weapon in this game and I think it's one of their one of their big strengths in theory now one of the things that has been a standard with their Mall over the last couple of years has been how low they are now their back five here was a little bit surprising I was expecting to see Alan O'Connor now I'm not sure if he's injured or not um, and I'm I'm too lazy to check <laughs> but you look at the guys who were there like to see uh, Izu Chukwu and Kieran Treadwell there Treadwell's a very good player he was unlucky not to go to the World Cup actually I would say with McCann with Marcus Ray and Nick Timoney that's a fairly tall fairly athletic rangy looking back five which I think from an Ulster perspective is not something that we're massively used to seeing now they've got a bit of a change up on the bench where they can they, they obviously will be going heavier in the second half of this game but I think just if we just go through their team they've got Eric O'Sullivan uh, Tom Stewart and Greg McGrath in the front row one area at the moment where Ulster are absolutely buckled with injuries is props and tight heads in particular and they are down to Greg McGrath who former Connacht player uh, was over playing with Jersey Jersey obviously have gone under so he has gone straight in to be starting tight head for Ulster in the last couple of games which will give you just an idea just to just how difficult it is being for them with their injuries they're missing Marty Moore is out with a, a fairly long-term injury um Tom O'Toole as well I think he's I think he had an injury that makes him miss out here as well um and it's again look you're down to the bare to the bare bones there you've got Greg McGrath starting and uh, young Scott Wilson on the bench young Scott Wilson um you've got Callum Reed Rob Herring on the bench as well with Tom Stewart captaining this guy is just a try machine he just keeps scoring tries and not just the sort of tries you expect hookers to score which by the way as I said before they should be marked down as pack tries in the same way that penalty tries are, are awarded and nobody necessarily gets the credit for it I do think that mall tries shouldn't necessarily just go to the hooker but if you look at Tom Stewart he's scoring tries that are more than just you know falling over once a mall gets beyond the white line He's a real athlete and he's a guy who gives them a sort of a change up dynamically. Like you look at his his physicality, how well he's able to um, get over the gain line, how dangerous he is in the wide channels, how athletic he is. Um, the, the wider parts of his game as well. Like I do feel his line out throw is something that we can get after. Um, he has a, a weirdly exaggerated tilt in his line out throw, which is almost because again, look, you look at the traditional... Um, throw that a hooker would use to throw into the line out it's usually central where you know the ball is kind of over the you know over the kind of the bridge of your nose right just if you go straight up that's where the ball is going to be the nose of the ball is going to be over there and you're able to throw directly and you're throwing in between your eyes almost I find with with um Tom Stewart is that his is the way he throws it He's almost throwing it from right to left, almost, because um, it's it seems to be over and, and tilted a little bit with the way that he's he sets himself up. I do feel we can get at them in the air, especially with because um, again, look, they've got a, a fairly explosive looking um, back five from a from a jumping perspective. Like McCann jumps, obviously Treadwell will as well as will Cormac uh, Izuchukwu, and like you look at how. Like again, they'll be looking to try to use that athleticism of, of Treadwell and uh, Izuchukwu, and they're going to try to get as much off the top ball as they can. I think they're set up to maul more in the second half. Now, it's not that they won't maul in the first half, but I look at the the way that they're set up here. I think first half they're going to try to maybe kick, maybe hit and run a little bit. Second half, I think they may look to try and go more on ball. Now, I will say that 
there is a danger in changing up how you play week to week it means that um, you have nothing solid to build on like there's been a lot of talk I think in the last couple of weeks about a lot of talk seems that (laughs) Ulster have been like crowing about how expensive their rugby is now I don't think it is and I don't think Ulster think it is either but I, I think that they do have to expand their game a little bit because when Ulster were at their worst last season they did become very very easy to defend because their structure was pretty much hit off nine hit off nine hit off nine and you know the side could be left or right or whatever else but like once you managed to track them there you were fairly confident that you could you could hold them and um when they kicked which again was not 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 maybe as, as much as they should have um they were easy enough to deal with and i think that here i think initially anyway we're going to see them go to the air an awful lot and try to get the likes of stockdale and the likes of balakoon one-on-one with our wingers that's what they're looking to try to do here early and then look to transition to maybe a more on ball heavier style as the game goes on so like like i said look it's not impossible to go from a counter transition style to an on ball style mid-game but i will say that it is difficult to do either of them incredibly well if that's your aim um so looking at their their bench they've got ian henderson and dave ewers to come off the bench two big heavy guys that are coming on in the second half like that's i imagine that's going to be when ulster are going to tighten the game up look to start trucking off nine and um, because they're two guys who are really really good at that aspect of the game well ewers in particular and then henderson maybe for hitting off 10 um so i think that they'll look to try to retain the ball a bit more once they get those guys on the field uh, and they've got uh, in the back line Nathan Doak and Billy Burns at halfback with uh, Stuart McCluskey and Stuart Moore at <laughs> number 13 with uh, Ethan McElroy Rob Balakoon and Jacob Stockdale on the wings John Cooney Jake Flannery and Jude Postlethwaite are the uh, replacements on the bench so looking at that like it's, it's a fairly strong selection from Ulster now they are missing a few guys um, James Hume is out with concussion there's a couple of other guys as well who are out with uh, brain injuries they sustained against um, against Connacht which again they were unlucky there they had I think they were doing really really well until James Hume went off the field um, and again, I think their their outside defence really kind of fell apart at that stage. Um, I think Munster will be looking to try to exploit that same area um, in, in this one. But obviously, we, we, we will wait and see how that goes. Um, looking at the um, Munster selection, though, um, let's have a quick look here. Now, again, as I mentioned in the podcast there yesterday, we have um, a couple of guys who are out injured at the moment as well. Um, obviously, it's a, an awful shame about um, Andrew Conway. I mentioned him last week or last week yesterday. It feels like last week, but it was only yesterday. Um, and I think looking at how um, Munster move forward, like there's a lot of transition that's going to come in this team, I feel, where we won a trophy last season but I think we're not at all finished when it comes to reshaping the squad into being one that can be um, successful and challenging at the top end for the next four or five years to come um, so like some team news that were there on this Jack who wasn't selected uh, due to illness um, Jeremy Lockman uh, comes back in after his uh, World Cup campaign with Ireland um, we have um, Antoine Friesch and Alex Nankivel start in midfield for the first time I will, get, I, I will speak more about them in a minute in the back three, we have Shane Daly, Calvin Nash, and Sean O'Brien. Sean O'Brien starting in the number 11 jersey this time, which I think better suits his skill set. Um, he is more of a, of, a, of a layered handler, and we'll say more of a kind of a, not a power winger, but kind of 
the 11 role I think suits what he's best at a lot more than the number 14 jersey did last week so I think we'll see a better performance from him here Calvin Nash is fit to play after after going off with a, a bang on the knee last week and I think that's all it was it just basically sometimes if you're fit you know you land heavily on a 4G pitch or whatever else it can jar your knee and um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, a serious knee injury um, but great to see him back in there as well Shane Daly continues at fullback um, on the bench in the backs we have Paddy Patterson Rory Scannell and Ben O'Connor Ben O'Connor starting or starting he's on the bench again this guy did his leaving cert <laughs> back in May right um, he is such a massive prospect you didn't get to see a whole lot of him last week uh, the game just didn't flow his way but physically he's all there like as in he's a massive athlete even now so the fact that they had that confidence to, to, to have him on the bench for an interpro says an awful lot about his ability at halfback Jack Crowley Craig Casey um, Rory Scanlon is going to be the, the 10 cover on the bench um, now it's fantastic to see Crowley and Casey they are the future at 9 and 10 for Munster and I feel also for Ireland when I look at what they can bring when I look at how they're skill sets could combine I mean with Casey last week I didn't think he was at his best you know you come in cold for your first game like that um, after a World Cup where he didn't really play a whole lot of rugby it's going to be a little bit scrappy and it was a little bit scrappy but I look at different aspects of his game that he seems to have improved on like his tracking after the break seems to be really like really really improving um, he's still like a work in progress as a player like I don't think he's the finished article as of yet which is frightening because I think he's an incredibly good scrum half. I think he's a guy who has monster captain written all over him. He's a guy who has at least 50 caps for Ireland written all over him. And when I look at what he can bring to Jack Crowley, who is just a fantastic athlete, he's got such a wide skill set. As a playmaker, he's incredibly brave. He makes decisions late. His pass accuracy is usually really good on that you know when he makes those late passes or late decisions to carry as well he's got great variety in his game also um that's a really good player and that's a guy when you look at how he might combine with um i think when you look at how like his athleticism combined with Craig Casey's ability to find guys that extra meter or two meters away from the ruck than maybe they would for for a traditional scrum half who can maybe find them an accuracy maybe you know 10 15 meters away Casey can find you 20 25 meters away and that extra space gives a guy like Jack Crowley so many options and that's going to be really interesting to see how he pairs in with Antoine Friesch and Alex Nankivel who I think as a midfield combination have exactly what we're looking for we and I'm going to go over this in a little bit more detail in a minute we're looking to play on ball rugby um, now it won't always be one kick every nine or ten passes but you look at how we choose to use our phases we will go through more phases than a lot of different teams and with that comes a need for variety and a need to be able to run complex structures basically with the way that we're playing our backs and midfielders and halfbacks even have to be ridiculous they have to be ridiculously conditioned like ridiculously so if they're not conditioned to play the type of high tempo rugby that we want and it mainly puts that cardio focus on our back line it doesn't work you saw what happened when we have a heavy pitch we had a heavy pitch against uh, against Benetton it slowed us down in the outside back line and as a result things didn't really work now we didn't adapt well on the day either 
but that'll give you an idea as to how important the mobility and the coverage of our backline is and the ability of our backline to all be handlers to all be capable of stepping in and, and making those short passes that when you combine them with the shapes we're running the structures we're doing off our our middle three or we've got two pods of three that we run in between the 15 meter lines uh two pods of three forwards the shapes that we're running off 10 with that second pod of three forwards is incredibly interesting watch for it in this game watch for um the likes of shane daly and alex nankivel and even antoine frisch starting behind the screen but finishing outside it with the player who actually takes the pass from the screen coming in ridiculously late from the blind side from like not, not, not from the blind side is in the narrow side but like in almost from like you didn't see him coming that the screen the pass option came in so late that by the time anybody realizes it the ball is already into space and you've got a line break opportunity for the likes of Nankivell and for the likes of Frisch both of those guys love an offload both of those guys are actually really strong in contact as well a lot more uh, powerful in contact than maybe they might see, seem like on the surface um, and when you combine that with uh, Sean O'Brien and Calvin Nash who will be doing so much running in field that's going to be a massive part of this game and a massive part of if Munster can get a dominant performance tonight it will be off the back of those pod shapes that we're doing now the obvious uh, fix to that is the breakdown where Munster will be looking to try and come hard at the breakdown I think they're better served to go after that um, in the second half with some of the size that they have but we'll see how that develops on on, on the field on the game but like for, for Munster our big focus this season is adding layers to our game they spoke about it in pre-season but it's it's even more layers than what you think um we want to be a team who cuts teams open when it comes to our use of possession and we're trying things that not a whole lot of other teams are trying and with that will come mistakes there will be accuracy issues like one of the biggest things that we need from our forwards in this game is to have the accuracy of pass and the timing to find that late screen runner and like you you will see us running y lines so where a guy starts lined up with Stuart McCluskey for example but by the time he gets the ball he's outside Stuart Moore that's the kind of thing that we're looking to try to build on in our game off set piece on phase play and it's one of the one of the best things I think that we're looking to try to do is to to be that sort of dangerous outfit who are harder to defend the more phases they are we want those phases we want to play with those extra maybe three four phases per possession sequence and if we click and hit the way that i think we can we will be an incredibly dangerous team to defend like this is the next level of what mike prendergast has been looking to do offensively and it's not just about you know mike prendergast you've got your stuff like contact skills have to be on on, on top of it because our breakdown now is so important our our, our breakdown from our, our backs is so important how they clean rocks how quickly they can get that but also the variety that we see from our our forwards that um the, the 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 two pods of three in midfield like we need those guys to have not to just be no we need to truck up the oddball for sure but we have to be brave and we have to be skillful with regards to how we you know use our tip-ons how we use those screen passes our timing on those passes is going to be hugely important as well as is the tracking lines of some of our inside runners that's going to be really really important as well to just make it difficult for Ulster to make them want to hang on to the ball to not want to be dealing with us on um 
to not be dealing with this on, on phase play um, or certainly on transition phase play. Um, in the forwards, we have Jeremy Lockman, Dermot Barron and John Ryan in the front row with Scott Buckley, Josh Richardly and Stephen Archer on the bench. Um, Jeremy Lockman comes back from the World Cup again. Now, in theory, in theory, our scrum should stack up incredibly well with um, Ulster in this game. But how many times have we said this before where you know there should be an advantage in the scrum but then there isn't um it is one of those things that's going to be really unpredictable now i think we've started john ryan in particular to get at ulster at the scrum to put real pressure on uh, eric o'sullivan from a, a technical and a physical perspective to try to get at them there that will in its in itself force Ulster to kick the ball to us more if they're worried about the scrum we want that we want the ball so that's going to be an interesting one to see if we can force that aspect of the game here as well um, in the second row we've gone with Edmund Adogbo and Finian Witcherly Witcherly starting as a 100 cap and uh, he is a guy who I think if he kind of keeps his his line out menu fairly simple for this game and his use of it fairly simple we have we have the the variety and I think we have the and I think a lot of this will go into our back row as well we have the the options there to run a fairly successful line-out platform. Now, you look at um, the back rows, Alex Kendall and John Hodden and Gavin Coombs. Gavin Coombs in this game, I think, will be our, our half-lock. Um, I think he's been playing that role for the last three rounds of this of this season anyway, where he is his breakdown focus is massive. I've an article coming on the ten euro tier next week that is that looks at the offensive breakdown work against Benetton, against um uh, against Dragons last week and against Ulster this week but broken down in 10 minute blocks rather than 20 minute blocks to give an idea as to how we're performing and from the numbers I've seen so far Gavin Coombs is one of the best players in the country at the moment with regards to the level of his performance he's producing dominant tackles he's producing massive offensive breakdown numbers but on top of that as well he is adding to his line work he's adding to his tight work there as well where he is now playing more like Dwayne Vermeulen than what he probably ever has before that's a really good I think a good fit for him as a, as, a, as a sort of a guy to get your idea on his new role where he will have massive ball carries yes but a lot of what he does now is almost support work to make it easier for our two wing forwards in this which will be Alex Kendallin and John Hodnett who will be the guys who will be playing at the edges of our 3-3 system um, you will see Gavin Coombs assisting those guys by his breakdown output we want to see Kendallin and we want to see Hodnett with the ball in their hands in the edges now one of the little uh, like tweaks to our system that you'll see is that when we use that one three three one, those two lone wolves we'll say at the edges they need to be quick they need to be really strong in contact they need to be explosive John Hodnett is that and Alex Kendallin certainly is that as well he is more of a heavier wing forward like I would I would class both of them as wing, as wing forwards Alex Kendallin is more of a heavy wing forward John Hodnett is that strike wing forward who is so quick so explosive and he's that type of guy that when we get that ball to the edges he helps us retain the ball out there he wins collisions he, he pulls defenders into that five meter channel and that's kind of what we want from him in this game as well and with Kendallin his aggression his breakdown work over the last couple of weeks offensively he's been really strong as well he dominates guys physically and um, both in the carry and defensively he's a real like he, he's reminded me a lot of of a young Tom Curry with the way that he's playing at the moment and his, his, his role set I think and that's going to be really interesting to see how they go here because you, you might say look Kendallin and Hodnett that's a, a small enough back row with Gavin Coombs but when you look at how Gavin Coombs is playing which is essentially like a third lock 
all of a sudden you go, okay, look, well, we've got a dog bow, literally Coombs. That that actually makes sense. Like that, like that structure makes sense when you look at how it might possibly work. If you forget about the scrum for a second and how they might pack down there, look at how those forwards in total spread out across the one three three one that we play. And you can almost see straight away, okay, yes, that makes sense. With Gavin Coombs being a guy playing in the in those two middle pods of three, with Kendallin and Hodnett. Hodnett mainly being out on the edges, with Kendallin going from the edge to that middle pod or that, that outer pod of three, we'll say the one furthest from the rock, and uh, adding a lot of value there. Idogbo starts another game at number four as well. His rise this season, his consistency, how physical he is, um, is incredibly exciting because... To have a guy like that who is capable of winning the big collisions that he is, he's turning into a guy who opposition teams are going to start targeting. So he has to be ready for that. I think he is. And I think when I look at how he has added to his game with regards to his passing, his offensive breakdown work, uh, his lineout as well, he's a really explosive lineout jumper as well, that all suggests that there's a very serious player there um, who is changing minds and changing plans I would think with how quickly he's developing on the bench in the back five we have Tom Ahern and Brian Gleeson Tom Ahern uh, had a great game last week against the Dragons he did pick up a knock um, in the, in that game so I would say he he's coming into this game he'd be probably playing around maybe 20-25 minutes ideally now he could have to play 79 minutes who knows but um, he's playing really really great uh, great stuff at the moment his physicality has improved his lineup work he's looking incredibly physical um that's kind of what you want from a guy who's six eight six nine well he's i think he's actually six nine um his ability and his wingspan to hurt the lineout will be hugely important against ulster in this game um especially in the second half when i think they're going to look to really try and rumble with the mall um last week i felt our mall defense wasn't great in part because we were giving a hern license to get in over the top so while they were you know, moving through us fairly simply, they were drawing a hern closer to them. And I think with his wingspan, literally how long he is, that ability to get those hands through them all and force those turnovers could be really, really important here as well. And you've Brian Gleeson as well uh, on the bench, who is at 19, one of the most imposing physical specimens that are currently in European rugby, I think. Um, his explosivity, the fact that they've selected him on the bench for a game like this, just shows how rated he is from a physical perspective like stuff like game sense and all that other stuff that will come but the fact they've given him a role here where they're saying look 15-20 minutes at the end of the game more, more than likely just go out there and fucking win collisions that's the type of of young player that we've been looking to get in for a while um, and they don't come along very often guys who have that level of physicality so I think looking at how we're set up here um, I think you want to watch Munster's phase play here if we are accurate and, and again look the conditions are set up that it should be easier for us to play the type of game we want to play um, we have the ability to cut open Ulster in and around that Stuart Moore and uh, Stuart McCluskey um, nexus we'll say off on we'll say on extended phase play where they're defending far out from the previous ruck um, or on set piece and um, we're going to try to bamboozle them with some of our running and some of our lines out there and um, Calvin Nash is if he's fit and raring to go he will hurt them and I think I'm really interested to see how Sean O'Brien pairs with Frisch and Nankivell and how Shane Daly continues to build on his um, 
really, really incredible run so far at, at fullback in that Mike Haley role. He's fitted in there absolutely seamlessly. So that's going to be really, really interesting to see how it goes. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for being a TRK subscriber. I, I will have all the content I was supposed to be bringing out this week um, over the weekend once um, my little girl is feeling a little bit better. So uh, thank you very much for joining me in this podcast. Thank you very much for being a TRK subscriber. I will talk to you again very, very soon. Mm-hmm.